0: Welcome to RST Online. We are a global movement of everyday disciples who are making disciples for generations to come. We are so glad that you would join us for Church Online today. And we believe that God has brought you for a purpose. So if you like the content that you're seeing, go ahead and like, subscribe to this channel, or even just comment where you're you're from so we can get to know you better. We also ask that you would download the RST app so that you can access today's message notes as well as check out all of our upcoming events. And finally, if you would like to partner with the mission of RST, you're able to give both online and through the app. Now let's jump into our message.
1: All right, let's preach, let's preach. Uh, We're going to be in Ephesians 5, verses 3 through 14 today, and you can go on the uh, the app, and there's uh, a section for the message there. And Or you can use your Bible, whatever you do, to follow along with uh, the scriptures. Uh, the, the primary analogy in this passage... By the way, if you're just joining us, we're going through the book of Ephesians. Um, the primary analogy in this passage is that of light and darkness. And so we'll be talking a lot today about light and darkness. But the primary theme is holiness. So we're talking about holiness today. And I've not always been very interested, if I'm honest, in holiness. I mean, I've wanted a lot of things in life. I've wanted to be... Uh, you know comfortable. I've wanted to adventure. I've wanted to travel. I've wanted to have an impact. Uh, I've wanted to be, you know, a, a part of a great church, which I am. Have healthy kids who love Jesus, who love me, and who are well adjusted. I mean, I've wanted legacy. I've wanted, wanted all kinds of things. Uh, but only until recently have I wanted, have I wanted holiness. Because for me, holiness and like what I wanted in life I felt as disconnected as say broccoli from gelato. Like it just didn't seem to go together with with what I wanted, and it, it seemed kind of unattainable, maybe even a little bit boring. But but that's changed. And I'm I'm thinking like the last two years, I was thinking back like why did I start more recently wanting to be holy? And I think it began with me uh, acknowledging God's holiness. So in, in Revelation four eight. That these creatures are standing before God. It says day and night, and they're just they're just acknowledging the holiness, the the otherness, the moral perfection of God, and they just say over and over again, "Holy, holy, holy," is the Lord God Almighty. Holy, holy, holy. And I just started like saying that when I, when I, when I worship the Lord in the morning, I'll often I'll just acknowledge his holiness. I've memorized some of the, the passages in Revelation 4 and, and 5 where angels and elders are worshiping him. I've, I, I just re- recite those prayers over and over again. And somewhere along the way, as I've acknowledged the holiness of God and worshiped his holiness, I've started to want to become holy like God is. And I think it's because I want more of God. Uh, Hebrews 12, 14 says, without holiness, we will not see the Lord. And I want to see him. Like, I want to know him. My my best moments are when I feel connected to my heavenly father. I want to know him better. Uh, The psalmist says, taste and see that the Lord is good. We were meant as human beings to experience God. But the scriptures are clear, unless we're growing in holiness, we're not going to be able to experience God the way we want to. And so I want to become more holy. I want want to chase after holiness. And I'm realizing I can't be whole, like complete, as a human being unless I grow in holiness. And I'm realizing I can't be the husband I want to be without becoming more holy. I can't be the father I want to be without becoming more holy. I can't be the pastor. We we have a movement going on in our city and our world. I can't be the movement leader I want to be unless I grow in holiness. And so my, my prayer for us as a church today is that we would chase after holiness like a kid chases after an ice cream truck on the 4th of July, you know? Like we would leave here motivated to be holy, and we chase after it. Do, do any of you want to chase after holiness today? Show of hands. I got some friends today. Man, there were only like two people in the last service who raised their hands. You guys are already way holier than the last service was. I mean, I got some friends here today. All right, so here's here's the outline. It's pretty simple. Um, we're gonna talk about what holiness is and is not. It's important we understand what it is not. Uh, and then we're gonna talk about how it makes us more whole. How do we connect our wholeness, our sense of completeness and satisfaction as a human being to to our holiness? And then how can we grow in it? How can we become more holy? So first of all, what is it not? Let's, let's start with the negative stuff and get that out of the way. Uh, Ephesians 5, 5 through 7. Again, we're in verses 3 through 14 today. This is in Eugene Peterson's paraphrase in the message. He says this, um, You can be sure that using people or religion or things just for what you can get out of them, the usual variations on idolatry will get you nowhere and certainly nowhere near the kingdom of Christ, the kingdom of God. Don't let yourselves get taken in by religious smooth talk. God gets furious with people who are full of religious sales talk but want nothing to do with him. Don't even hang around people like that. So Paul's speaking to the church in Ephesus and he's saying, being more religious will not make you more holy. Ephesus was a very religious town. We'll talk about the cult of Artemis here in a few moments. They were very, very religious people. But he's saying, being more religious will not make you more holy. In fact, it may do just the opposite. It may make you less holy. Because being religious is about keeping rules. At the end of the day, it's about keeping the rules. It's about self-salvation efforts, trying to get salvation on our own terms, not God. And, and Jesus, I think we'd all agree. I hope so anyway. Wouldn't we all say Jesus was like the holiest person ever? We're in church today. We're supposed to say that, okay? Was Jesus a very good rule keeper? He was horrible at keeping the rules. Like, it's like he went out of his way to, to break rules. He broke the religious rules about the Sabbath. He broke religious rules about fasting, about spending time uh, alone with women. He broke uh, religious rules about, about healing people and uh, about spending time with sinners. He was always being accused of spending too much time with sinners. I mean, the, the list of rules that Jesus broke again and again is very, very lengthy. Jesus despised religion as much as many of us do because he knew this rule-keeping only led to self-righteousness and self-centeredness, which is the very opposite of, of holiness. But if I'm honest, I can fall into religion pretty easily. I can easily slip into what my friend Larry Osborne calls being an accidental Pharisee. The Pharisees were like the epitome of religion in Jesus' day. Jesus had his harshest conversations with, with the religious Pharisees. And I, I fall into Phariseeism at times. Uh, we were on vacation this last week. We were up in Vail. And um, I, I'm a guy who loves my routine. Like on the Myers-Briggs, I'm a strong J. I, I like my routine. Like I get up, I go to bed early so I can get up early so I can beat the kids up out of bed. Because once the kids are up, it's over. Like it's game on, bedlam, okay? So I try to get up pretty early. I like an hour and a half, sometimes a couple hours, and uh, I, I like to have my little cup of coffee, and I read my Bible. It's all quiet, and then I'll, I'll do my uh, my soaps, which is a tool we use to meditate on Scripture. And then I got like a little mobility routine. And I get all the kinks out of the body, you know, because when you're old like me, you got a lot of kinks. And then um, then I go for a, a walk, and I use this other acronym that I pray through that I'll talk about in a few minutes. And and uh, man, I love my fellowship with Jesus. I love my routine. Okay. Well, on this one particular day, we went to bed too late, so I got up too late, and my kids got up when I got up, and I was just about apoplectic, because I couldn't do my routine. I couldn't have my Jesus time, I was getting angry at the kids, yelling at the kids, because I didn't get any time with Jesus that morning. Is that messed up or what, you know? And the Holy Spirit said to me, hey, what's the reason you even spend time with Jesus in the morning? Isn't it so you can be a better dad? So you can be more loving with your, your kids and the people that you come in contact with throughout the day. And I realized I'd become religious and I'd made my time with Jesus in the morning a, a rule to follow. Are you following me right now? Okay. I, I think we all have a, a bit of a, a religious Pharisee inside of us that we can slip into. Um, but we have to remember that religion is about rules and holiness is about relationships. You know you're becoming holier if your relationships are getting better and you become a more loving person person. Religion is poisonous. It poisons our souls. And holiness is healing. So if holiness is not about religion, what is it about? Well, it's about our motives at the end of the day. It's about why we do what we do. Are we motivated to do what we do out of love for God or love for self? Ephesians 5.10 says, find out what pleases the Lord. What pleases the Lord is, is pleasing him, is living for him, being motivated to do what we do because we love him and we want to please him. So you can have a, a disciple of Jesus and a non-disciple of Jesus, and they could do exactly the same things. I don't care if it's changing a diaper, doing a presentation at work, grilling a steak. They can do exactly the same things, but do them for very different reasons. The disciple, if properly motivated, is doing everything they do. He or she is doing everything they do to please the Lord out of a love for God. That's what separates us from those who don't follow the Lord. There's a message that Jesus preached one time. It went down in history as known as the Sermon on the Mount. And if you read it carefully and think about what Jesus is doing, it's like a revolution in holiness, he completely reparadigmed how people thought about holiness. And he moved the, their focus and the locus of their understanding of holiness from what was outside of them to what's inside of them. He said holiness is an inside-out job. It always begins in our heart with our, our motives. So lots of examples. Here's just one. Matthew 5, 43 through 47. You've heard it said, Jesus, throughout the sermon, you've heard it said, but I say to you, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That was a popular statement. Love the people that, you know, love you back but hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Not even tax collectors, they were considered sinners. Don't they even do that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans, those who are irreligious, do that. And what he's saying is, it's easy to love those who love you. So don't break your arm, patting yourself on the back for loving people that give you something back. But do you love people who are different from you? Do you love people who have nothing to offer you? On, on the porch today, do you reach out, will you reach out to people who you don't even know? Or will you just huddle up with the people that you do? When you're shopping at Whole Foods, and if you're parking over in the Whole Foods parking lot, you better shop over there today. Okay? Okay, they're watching us. But when you're shopping at Whole Foods, like, and you see somebody's hurting, will you stop in the middle of aisle four and acknowledge their pain and perhaps pray for them? Okay. Uh, parents, we, we disciple our, our kids. And let's be honest, if our kids walk in the ways of Jesus, our life is going to be better. They're going to make better decisions. They're going to stay out of trouble. They'll probably marry better. They'll probably just live better. They'll, they'll be more successful if they walk in the ways of Jesus. I mean, it, it works. Jesus is very practical. And so maybe you read the Bible to them, bring them to church. Maybe you even pay tuition for a Christian school, okay? That's great. What Jesus is saying, if you do all these things, what reward will you have? Because you're, you're loving those who love you. But do you love your neighbor who's already in hell? Because of his or her addiction and their broken marriage. Do you love them? Easy to love our kids. Do we love our neighbors that have nothing to offer us? I'll pick on myself for a few moments because we're going to do an exercise a little later. And I'm going to encourage you to let the light in and and evaluate your motives. But right now I'm preaching, obviously. And am am I preaching because I want you to understand the word of God? Because I want want to create an opportunity for you to interact with God right now and hear him speak to you. I want to add value to your life. Or am I doing what I'm doing right now to impress you with my communication abilities? Uh, If I tell a joke in this message, which I hope there's one somewhere here, um, (laughs) am am I doing it because the Spirit led me to, to tell that joke so I can take the gas or the Foot off the pedal for a few moments, and just let you have a break, you know, break the tension up to get you ready for something else that's coming? Or am I telling that that joke because I want you to like me? And on the porch today after the service, do I, do I treat you the way I treat you because I want you to think I'm a loving, caring person? Or I pray for you because I want you to think I'm a man of prayer? Or am I doing it because I really am motivated to care for you? And the Spirit's motivating me to be kind to you and pray for you. It's going to make the porch really awkward for me today, by the way. Yeah. Holiness is about motivation. It's about doing what we do because we want to please God. We, we want to love God. And that's where we love one another. Holiness is not about being religious. It's about being motivated by love. So how do we actually like, connect the dots between wholeness and holiness? Because I'm guessing for many of you, that's, that's still, those are very disconnected topics. Again, it's like gelato and broccoli. They just don't seem to go together. I want to try to connect the dots there for you a little bit today. So let's talk about how holiness makes us more whole. Uh, we're going to go back to the first week of Ephesians. In verse uh, 4 of chapter 1, Paul says, long before he laid down earth's foundations, he had us in mind, had settled on us as the focus of his love, to be made whole and holy by his love. Do you see what's being said there? God wants us to be whole and holy. For God, holiness and wholeness are not separate concepts. They're intimately connected. We, we can't be whole unless we're holy, and we can't grow in holiness unless we're also becoming more whole. Both are very, very, very important to our Heavenly Father. So back to chapter 5, Paul says in chapter 5, verses 3 through 5, but among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral and pure or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Paul is speaking to a number of social experiments that were going on in Ephesus. Ephesus was one of the the biggest cities in the Roman Empire at that time. It was home of one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, the, the Temple of Artemis. And, and just like today, they were running different social experiments designed to help people become more whole, more content, uh, more happy. And they're the same experiments that people have been trying for thousands of years. So one of the experiments was the, the money experiment. That if I just had enough money, I'd, I'd feel more complete, I could be more whole, I could be more happy. Um, there was a guy named Demetrius, and you can read about him in Acts chapter 19. There's this scene uh, where he creates this big riot, and uh, it all goes back to money. He, he was a, a silversmith, and, and his uh, most lucrative like, piece of work was this, this uh, shrine or this, this uh, depiction of Artemis. We, we, got a, we got an ancient depiction of Artemis. This is actually marble, not silver, but uh, this was found in an archaeological dig, and this was Artemis, and if you're wondering what those are, uh, those are what you think they are, okay? Those are mammary glands, can I say that? What can I say? Breast? Can I say it in church? Breast, okay? Um, so she had more of those like a dairy farm in Kansas, okay? Like she was fairly well-endowed. It's, you know, it's a fertility cult. People would worship her thinking, hey, if we worship Artemis, we're going to have more kids and stuff. And Anyway, the joke in, in Ephesus was that she had the ability to uh, multiply her assets. And um, come on, that was a little funny. I, I thought of that myself. Come on, it's Okay. And so speaking of assets, Demetrius thought, hey, if I if I keep making these, I'm going to keep multiplying my assets. I'm going to have lots of money. And the problem was Paul and his apostolic band was leading all these people to stop worshiping Artemis and they started worshiping Jesus. So you, you can read about how it says in, in Acts 20, how all of Asia heard and believed the gospel because of Paul, or many believed. And so all these people were turning away from Artemis. And so Jesus was costing Demetrius a lot of money, so he and the craftsmen of the town all got together and said, hey, if this keeps going on, we're all be broke. We'll be out of business, and they created this big riot, and they kicked Paul and the other apostles out of town after spending three years there creating this movement. Money is great, but without holiness, it will never make us whole. Pope Francis has said, it's not money itself that leads to violence, but the love and idolization of money that breeds a ruthless pursuit resulting in conflict, oppression, and the erosion of humanity's moral fabric. Money without holiness, it it leads to violence. It leads to oppression. It leads to so many of the ills that we face in our society. So let's run that experiment with our imagination just for a few moments. Um, Let's say I could give every one of you $10 million today. Who needs Powerball? You got Pastor Ron. Come on, okay? Are you liking me now? Okay, everybody walks out, whoa, I'm $10 million richer, and it's like one of the best days of your life, and you're super, super happy. You know, can okay. pay off these debts and help my kids with college and all kinds of things. Um, tomorrow, some of you would already be jealous, though. You, you'd lose your sense of, of joy over having this, this wonderful gift because you'd be thinking about your friends who already had more money than you, and they're just putting their $10 million on top of the pile they already had, and so you would become jealous of them. Am I right? Some of you would do that. And, and others of you would probably lose that money pretty quickly with poor purchases and poor investments because you've never been trained in how to use money. Just picking on you a little bit here. Yeah. And, and others of you, you would, you would use it wisely. Okay? You would give some. You would, you would invest well and be able to live off it for the rest of your life and then take your, your newfound freedom of time and energy and use it for the kingdom. But, but you still wouldn't be completely whole or happy because money can't make us whole by itself, especially if we don't have holiness. Ecclesiastes 5.10 says, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. The Hebrew word there for meaningless means empty. It's the opposite of wholeness. And so money's great, but the money experiment, so many of us run thinking, hey, if I just have enough, one day I'll really be happy. It fails us unless we're also seeking holiness. Um, the other experiment that was going on in Ephesus was the sex ex- experiment. Again, uh, the cult of Artemis was a fertility cult. And so pe- people would worship her, hoping they would have sons, because this, men were like the economic engine in the Roman Empire at that time. Uh, but temple prostitution was rampant. Lots of sex acts took place at the temple of, of Artemis. Uh, Herodotus, who was a historian in the 5th century B.C., said this in one of his history books he wrote. Now the whole number of courtesans, a courtesan is a prostitute, in the city in Ephesus was more than a thousand according to the account which the Ephesians themselves give. The town was full of prostitution. So this is why Paul is challenging the disciples of Jesus to, to seek sexual purity because he knew a lack of purity would lead to more brokenness and less wholeness. So, again, a little imaginary exercise here. Let's say I could give every one of us a sexual satisfaction vaccine. That would be a moneymaker. just thought of that. Everyone's satisfied, okay? Uh, what would happen next day? Um, some of you who are, like, struggling with, like, sexual identity issues, they would come back because the sinful nature inside of all of us is deceiving. And, and others, others of us, we would fall back into our pornography addiction, because no matter how satisfied we are, the sinful nature tricks us into believing there's always more. The sex experiment never works. It never works. It never makes us more whole. Because the sex experiment without holiness uh, never leads to satisfaction. Um, the last experiment that they were running there was the, the power experiment. And so Paul talks a lot about about making you know money an idol and about greed, and wherever there's a desire for money, there's a desire for power. Whenever there's like a desire for power, politics is always somewhere lurking around that desire. Whether it be interpersonal politics, or politics at work, or governmental politics. And so we have another political election coming up in 2024. Can you believe it's almost here? I am bracing you guys for the apocalypse like, I'm already spiritually, like, getting ready. I'm bracing for next year, and I, I don't know who's going to run, but I'm like, if it's the same two guys, oh, dear God, please help us. Like, please help us. And if you're new to restoration, we don't preach politics here, especially the partisan kind, but we are political. Our politic at restoration is the kingdom of God. And every single day, we vote for Jesus as president. So there still is hope for 2024, Okay. But let's say we could like raise up this perfect president, like Abraham Lincoln, on steroids. Okay, this, this perfect man or woman who is is morally strong and uncorrupted by the political process, and extremely educated and wise, and able to understand the nuances of all the issues that face us. And let's say we actually got said person into office. What would happen the next day? There'd be all kinds of problems. Still, that that person would be would be tempted to be. Corrupted by, by lobbyists and politicians. That person would have a really difficult time like bringing people together across the aisle because we are a divided nation and we're divided not just because of ideology, we're divided because we have a sinful nature. Right? Politics, power cannot make us whole without holiness. So maybe a story would be helpful here to help us understand how holiness and wholeness go together. So if you, read, if you read the Gospels, Jesus is always like doing cool things for people. He's setting them free from addictions and free from like, you know, sentences to be killed and stoned if you're the woman caught in adultery. Or he heals people. And then after he does these really wonderful, kind things for people, he often will say something kind of curious. He'll say, hey, um, stop sinning. I'm really happy for you. Like, that's great. God did that for you. And I'd love to be a part of your redemptive process and blessing you. But stop sinning. You ever notice how he does that? So let's just imagine for a few minutes that you have this uncle, we'll call him Uncle Steve. I apologize to the Steves in the audience today. But you got this Uncle Steve, okay? And he's a a cantankerous old man, and he's not very nice, and he's always, you know, abusive to his wife and abusive to his kids, and he's stingy and greedy, just not a nice guy. And then he has a stroke and he goes into a coma. And, and you're you're with your cousins and the immediate family, and everyone's thinking this guy's about to die, okay? And then Jesus walks in the room. You're like, oh, my gosh, Jesus is here. Like, this could change everything. And and you go up to Jesus and say, Jesus, you could heal this man. Will you will You lay hands on this man? Will you heal this man? And Jesus smiles at you, and he goes, okay. And, and he goes over to Uncle Steve, and he lays hands on Uncle Steve, and he prays for Uncle Steve. And he's in a coma, you know, like things are almost flatlining. And he prays for this guy. And Steve just all of a sudden, he's like, his eyes come open. And he sits up on the side of his bed, and he's got a great big smile on his face, and he's so happy. And everyone's like hugging Uncle Steve, even though he's you know cantankerous and not very nice. But they they just saw a miracle. Everybody's happy. Everybody's rejoicing, and there's tears, there's laughter, and Jesus is there also, and he's laughing, and he's so happy. And he goes outside for a few minutes to get a cup of coffee, and then he comes back in, and and uh, he looks at everyone in the room, and he goes, "Hey." why don't you guys just, can you do me a favor? I'd like to have just a a moment or two alone here with Uncle Steve, and can I just be alone with him and everybody leaves for just a moment or two? And he looks Steve in the eyes, and he goes, Steve, I'm so happy for you. I mean, isn't that amazing? Your heavenly Father loves you, and this could be the, the beginning of a whole life of blessings and favor with God, and you get a second chance. Man, I'm so encouraged. I'm so happy for you. But then he leans in, and the smile goes away, and he goes, but listen, you son of a Baptist, you need to stop being so cantankerous. You need to start being nice to your wife and start blessing your kids with your words. And stop being so greedy. I mean, it's, it's robbing you of joy. Start being generous, you know. I love you, though, and I hope you have a great life. And then he puts 50 bucks in his hand and says, now go buy some ice cream for everybody. And he smiles and walks out of the room. Wouldn't that be so Jesus. See, Jesus wasn't content just to make people whole. He wanted to make them holy. Because we can't be truly whole unless we're also becoming more holy. Amen, somebody? All right. Do you want that? You want to chase after some holiness right now? Let's do it. Let's talk about how to become uh, more holy. Ephesians 5, 8 and 11 through 13. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It's shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. Okay, I'll break it down for you. Paul is saying, you are a light. When you decided to follow Jesus, something really powerful happened inside of you. Jesus called it being born again, but... He he was describing how the Holy Spirit came into you. In that moment, the light of God came into your soul. And now he's saying, let that light that's in you shine and reveal what's in the dark inside of you. Let that light expose what's inside of you that needs to come out into the light. And then as that light transforms you, as it illuminates you and helps you become more holy, you will become a light for other people. And people will be drawn to the Jesus that's within you. Um, I recently uh, did something that I regretted later. I I let some light into my life. I took a DEXA scan. You know what a DEXA scan is? Don't ever do this, okay? So um, I know we have a lot of fitness people here. We got the CrossFitters. We got the triathletes and all that kind of stuff. A DEXA scan measures your body composition, your bone composition, your lean mass, and how much body fat you have. And I, you know, I've done these tests over the years—the skin calibers and the, the inline body thing at the gym and stuff like that. And if you're new to restoration, um, I, I've uh, one of the things I'm growing out of is my my sense of identity has over the years been way too connected to my physicality. So I was a bit of an athlete in high school and college, and uh, always just into the whole fitness thing. And for whatever reason, I decided to get a DEXA scan. I go, I need to find out. It's good for me to know at my age like how dense my bones are and all that kind of stuff. So I, I, th- I was thinking, I'm probably like 15%, 16% body fat, you know? And and hopefully my bone density is like really high. And, uh, you know, when I was young, it was like single digits. probably, You know, like 10% added fat over the years. That's not too bad. So I take this test. I take this test. Let me show you where I was. Can we have the chart, please? Okay. So this is lean. And apparently after 56, they no longer care about you. It's just 56 and up. There's no 60, 70, like, hey, you know, you're, you got one foot in the glue factory, buddy. So um, you're lean up to 17% if you're over 56 and I'm 60. Um, Ideal is up to 24.5. I was, I was 26.0. Let me translate this for you. Average, that's just a nice way of saying you are fat. And Above average, you are obese, like you're about to have a heart attack or something. I was 26%. I, I had a crisis, like a crisis of identity. I called my wife up, and I said, honey, are you sure you want to be married to me? I said, you know, there's fat people and skinny people. I'm both. I am. I'm a skinny, fat guy. You should go find a skinny guy or a fat guy, or better yet, find a yolk guy. But I'm a skinny fat I had this crisis, all right? So the next day, I'm like, I got to do something about this. Like now... That the truth has been exposed in my life by the DEXA scan, I have to do something. Because what I thought was true about me is not true about me. So I hired this guy, Greg Orham. This guy. So check him out, dude. He's 63 years old. Look at this man. He's a pastor in Florida. Usually, pastors in Florida don't look like this. They're named Bubba and they like biscuits. They don't look like this guy, okay? And he has, I kid you not, he has a podcast called Pastor Fit. And he interviewed me a few years ago back when he thought I was fit. I said, bro, drop the episode. I'm skinny fat. I am not fit. But you've got to help me. And so he's been coaching me for the last several weeks. And we're working on macros and calories and all kinds of stuff. All that because I was stupid enough to go and get a DEXA scan. And the light that was put in my body revealed the truth that was hidden in the darkness. Yeah. Well, I want to invite you to step into the light with me. Uh, Thomas Edison, many of you know the story. When he was trying to create the the light bulb, he used all these different filaments, trying to find the right filament, you know, that would be able to, you could heat up the right temperature and it could keep the incandescent light bulb glowing bright for a long time. And finally, he found some bamboo that worked, and now we use tungsten. But um, the filament is what makes the light bulb work. God placed the Holy Spirit inside of you when you began to follow him. The Holy Spirit is the filament of God. And the Holy Spirit exists to illuminate what's inside of you so that you can step into the truth about yourself and become more holy. And that is a tremendous, tremendous gift. So last week uh, on our vacation, I was uh, praying one day. I was walking along this creek, and I was using our chat acronym. Uh, If you don't know chat, it stands for confess, honor, ask, and thank, okay? And what I like to do is I'm walking, when I'm walking one direction, I like to spend time uh, honoring God, worshiping him, and then thanking him. And on the way back, I confess, I, I ask for things. I pray for us as a church and pray for myself and, and uh, intercede for people. And as I was uh, confessing, I was asking the Holy Spirit to reveal inside of me whatever the Holy Spirit wanted to reveal. And the Holy Spirit dialed in on the fact that in the evenings often, I get pretty grumpy at my kids. Again, if you're new today, I'm an older guy with, I got five kids. I got two little ones, four and five. And um, I don't have the juice I used to have at night after working all day. And so that's when I am usually at my worst. And uh, on my worst nights, I can get harsh with the kids, yell at them, be impatient. And the Holy Spirit was letting me know that that was grieving him, grieving the spirit of God. And then I began to ask, well, how do I, man, how do I become a better dad at night? How, how do I become a holier father at night? And the Holy Spirit said, you're just doing way too much. So like many of you, I wrestle with FOMO. You know, I always want to do everything. And I, I, um, I'm a people pleaser. I want to say yes to everything that comes my way and come through for people. And the Holy Spirit said, you have to like stop that. You need to ruthlessly say no to a whole lot of things and free up time for energy so that you can be a good dad at the end of the day. And so I asked the Holy Spirit, well, what do you want me to do? What do I say yes to? And the Holy Spirit said, you say yes to movement. You say yes to discipling and raising up leaders who will be movement leaders. And you say yes to being a pastor and doing what I'm doing right now. And you say no to almost everything else. And that's super hard for me. But because the Holy Spirit brought that light into the, the darker parts of my soul, I have begun to repent. And I'm still repenting, so please pray for me. But I'm already experiencing some of the fruit. I feel like I'm being a little bit better dad now. I feel like I have a little more energy for God to use in the evenings to do what He wants to do through me. So, how about you? Are you willing to let the light of the Spirit shine in the darker places of who you are today? I want to give you a moment to do that. So if you would, just bow your heads for a moment and and close your eyes. And and let me remind you that the, the voice of the Holy Spirit is not a condemning voice. If you sense any condemnation or shame, that is not the Spirit of God. That is the Spirit of the enemy. The voice of the Holy Spirit is always kind and gentle and loving and forgiving and gracious. But will you ask the Holy Spirit right now to shine the light upon whatever he wants to reveal to you right now? Will you open yourself up to the light? As you do so, is there a sin that you need to confess? Is there a temptation you face that's not a sin, but that could become one unless you acknowledge it? Aligned with God's priorities for your life? Is there a command that God's asking you to obey? Is today the day God is asking you to give up your self-salvation religious efforts and receive the grace of God and acknowledge Jesus Christ as your Savior, your Lord, and your King? today is from an Easter blessing an Easter hymn that the church in Ephesus and the early church would would say over each other and sing together and I'd like to, to use it as a blessing for you today it says wake up sleeper wake up rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
0: Thanks so much for watching this message with us. Now, as our church responds in person, we want to give you the opportunity to do the exact same thing. Restoration is a church that believes in the power of prayer and partnering with people in prayer. So go ahead and drop a comment about something that the Lord is doing in your life through this message that we can pray for you and celebrate you. If you feel like this is a message that has changed your life that you think that other people need to hear, go ahead and share that with them. And finally, if you want to partner with the mission of RST to make disciples for generations to come, you can give through our app or online. We love you guys so much, and we cannot wait to see you next week.